If you are serious about building your short-term rental business to $10,000, $20,000, maybe even $30,000 a month or more, you have come to the right place. My name is Kyle Stanley, and this is the Fearless Investor Podcast, where we teach you all things short-term rentals. The best guests, the best tools, the best strategies. There are so many investing paths out there. It can be seriously overwhelming to start out as a new investor, but take it from me, short-term rentals is the best and the quickest way to build your cash flow. So buckle up, listen in, and get ready to conquer the world of short-term rentals. Here we go. Team Fearless, if you didn't already know, I closed on close to 100 doors in just under two years, and I did it without using any of my own money and without leaving the comfort of my office chair. Now I did this with something I like to call the caster method. And maybe you've heard me talk about it, but now is your chance to actually learn this exact method from me. In my five day caster challenge, I'm gonna help you find hot deals. You're gonna hear real conversations that I have with sellers that are live. And by day five, you will have everything you need to get on the phone with a motivated seller in your market. Jump on this five day caster challenge today. Go to thefearlessinvestors.co backslash five day. That's thefearlessinvestors.co backslash five day. Let me show you exactly how good deals are created, not just found. See you there. Fearless investors, fearless family, welcome, welcome. I, uh, I'm i stoked for this one. Uh, this one is going to be a fun one because I feel like it's a topic that is hot right now, especially for us in the short-term rental space. Everybody's curious about the hotel market. And so in today's podcast, we got Dia. She's a killer in this industry and uh, I'm excited for it. What I love about it too is like, there's a lot of people out there, right, Lame, that have done like one hotel deal and and they're they're coaching it, which is fine. You've done one more hotel deal than me, but like Dia mm-hmm. has done multiple hotels that has, and she'll share with you the smallest one is ten units, the high, the biggest one is seventy six units. Like she's been through the ringer on a number of different deals, and for that reason, I just feel like she comes with a ton of knowledge that uh, not many people are are talking about. But like that's. That to me is what is most exciting about today's conversation. But like speaking of like people not knowing much about stuff, like you were at the SCR Wealth Conference. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is that a good transition? <laughs> oh, that's a funny transition. So we, uh, yeah, I just got back from uh, Nashville. I was there all week last week. Yeah. And um, I wish I could have been there with you. No, it was good. And it was awesome. Uh, obviously, everybody knows the STR Wealth Conference is one of the biggest conferences every year. Um, and it was just fascinating to me because I was having people legitimately that have been in this industry for decades, longer than I have, cornering me and asking me and being completely fascinated on the caster method. They're just yeah. cornering me and asking me like, hey, how are, how are you doing this? What are you doing? Right. And we're talking creative acquisitions and short term rentals. And so, um, yeah, so I, I that was pretty a fun experience and a validating experience for me just in terms of being rooms with a bunch of killers and people all wanting to ask me questions about, you know, our operation, what we're doing, what we're teaching. So that was a lot of fun, but uh, it was, it was a conference to be remembered. And it's always fun when you can go and everybody that has a name in this industry was there. So it was blessed. Well, and, and team fearless, just in case you have not made yourself familiar with the caster method, we have been very vocal about it on our Instagram, the fearless investors, uh, is now what our Instagram tag is, but, uh, you know, Lame 
has purchased over 100 homes with this method, which is basically creative financing, seller yep. financing, uh, subject to lease options. And I know Lummi Pace was there and he was talking about it. So like, were, were you there during his talk? Were you looking around? Were people like having aha moments? hundred percent. Okay. Yeah. And we, and we all know Pace is, you know, he is, you know, what I like to say the godfather of creative finance and yeah. he teaches a very specific, he, he goes really deep on that subject. Right. Um, and even in that room full of, you know, short-term rental operators, everybody was fascinated just on hearing about it, let alone hearing a guy like me who focuses on it with specifically a strategy connected to it in short-term rentals. Right. And so that was just a, a fun experience to be able to go and kind of share some nuggets of what we've been doing and how we've been building. So did anyone while they were there, like ask you about that? Like, Hey, pace is doing it, but you're doing it in short-term rentals. Like how does that differ? Is, is, does that question come up at all? All the time. Right. And, um, you know, I, I feel like there's a lot of people that follow pace that, you know, the feedback I've gotten is he goes really deep and that can be good or bad when you're talking about acquisitions. But again, in my, people always talk about how you make money in real estate when you buy. And however, that is very, very true. The, the, the second way, and what I think is oftentimes the more uh, risky part of the transaction is then once you bought it, how do you operate it? Like, what are you yeah. going to do with it? How do you make money from it? Right. Exactly. And so that seems to be always, you know, the question people ask me is like, how does this mesh? How is it different? I'd say, I'd say, that's exactly how it differs is we don't just teach you essentially how to acquire it, but we give you all the things to cash flow it. And within that method, you can make a lot of money. Right. And we've already had a few community calls, but one of the things I loved, a good friend of ours, John spoke up on one of the calls and he said, I was trying my hand and John's been, you know, killing it with short-term rentals and coasting and arbitrage. And he's, uh, he's working extremely hard to try to leave his full-time job. But he said, like, I, I tried wholesaling for about a month and after hundreds of calls and my wife just seen me like get bent over, excuse my, <laughs> my visual there. But I mean, you know, just getting screamed at while on speakerphone on these cold calls, she she was like, you, like, stop torturing yourself. Stop with these cold calls. And he goes. And so when I when I came over to try to do creative, I came over with this scar tissue of like. I don't want to get screamed at again by cold callers or by being a cold caller. And then I, he realized like most of the time, the cold calls that are happening here aren't even with the seller or someone that you don't know if they're motivated to sell. You're talking to either motivated sellers or motivated sellers agents. And that just makes for such a easier conversation. Yeah. Than one that you're probably not likely to get cussed at or hung up on. hundred percent. No, when he said that too, that was, I loved it, right? I loved it because that was real feedback. And and again, it spoke to, again, the newness of this strategy, how nobody is doing it this way, right? And so that was just and a he's bit been, of since doing that, and Since doing that, he's he's used this method to close on a business, not not on a house, but he went and bought a pool company, which is wild um, yep. with, with the creative financing. And, and yep. I know you've helped a few people outside of that to not just do houses, but like I heard uh, one of your friends bought like 40 acres of land and yep. some other people bought businesses. I mean, it's, it's really like, it's a skill set. I feel like real estate itself and it, all the things that come with it, right. Cold calling and networking and raising money. Those are skill sets that carry with you 
for life, but like then just take it to the next level, learning how to acquire things with other people's money on terms that are favorable for both sides. That is a skill set that I think carries over to just about anything. 100%, 100%, 100%. All right. Well, hey, en enough of all that good stuff because we've got a really good, a really good guest uh, here today. Oh, and by I guess we should tell people too, like, you know, if you guys want to go learn more about that, go check out the five day free challenge that we've got Please. for the capture method. Tons of people have taken it. Tons of people have given, like, I've been getting DMs all the time about, like, hey, this was gold. This was amazing information. And again, it's all free. All you have to do is go to, the fearlessinvestors.co, not.com.co, the fearlessinvestors.co, and you can take that five day challenge for free. But Lame, uh, shall we just go ahead and say, let's get to it with Dia and let her start dropping all the gold nuggets on hotels? Let's dive in, get your notepads out because this is gas. What's up, Fearless Team Fearless, I should say, and Six Figure Formula Group? We are here live in the city figure formula and we have dia liu with us who uh dia we haven't really had a, a real big chance to to get to know each other so i'm actually just selfishly excited for this podcast because i've been wanting to have a conversation with you for a while but you you are in a extremely unique you know niche in this space of hotels and you're doing it at a very high level so i think there's gonna be huge value today so lame and i are just first of all grateful that you uh decided to come on and share with our audience so thank you for being here Thank you for having me. Awesome. Well, hey, let's get started. What What's the craziest short-term rental story that you've got for our audience today? Oh, man, there's so many, but I, I had to narrow down. Um, it has to be one of my first hosting stories, which is when I had a one-bedroom, one-bath in Toronto. And, um, and it was a short-term rental, of course. And this couple stayed for their honeymoon. And oh, they ended up doing some interesting things in the hot tub. <laughs> That's the community hot tub, mind oh, you. No. And the next week, I got a call from the HOA manager saying that she had video clips of people doing, <laughs> my guests, doing interesting things. <laughs> not only did she make uh, my property manager watch it, she made my cleaner watch it, and then she made me watch it. <laughs> oh, <my> <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and yeah, so that was very interesting. And the, the funny thing is the review, the guest was like, it was a very relaxing stay. <laughs> I'm sure it was. <laughs> Five-star review, huh? <laughs> yeah, so that was a funny uh, first-time hosting experience. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's incredible. <laughs> that's fun. That's, that's a lot of fun. I'm not going to ask any more questions, though, about that. <laughs> Uh, well, with that, Lama, I, I don't know about you, brother. I just want to hear Dia's story and how she got into everything in regards to, you know, you're you're now killing it with the, the hotel game. So I guess even before I hear that story, can you just give people a little bit of a overview of what your portfolio looks like? Yeah, so I currently have four hotels. The smallest one is 13 units. The largest one is 76 units. That's and then I also have usually... And then it varies because I buy and sell short-term rentals. So it's usually somewhere between 20-something to 30-something short-term rentals it, that we own. So we don't really do co-hosting or management currently. We may end up doing that in the near future just because we already have the built-in staff to handle our existing portfolio. Love it. Love it. And did you, uh, I'd love to hear kind of the origin story of that. Like what, you know, what? Why hotels? What made you decide to step into this asset class specifically? And what was that journey like? 
Right. So my background has been all over the place. So just give it this brief background of where I come from. Um, so I'm formerly a patent litigation attorney before I went into real estate investing full time. Before that, I was a chemical engineer and biochemistry Sheesh. person. So and then I was also dabbling in fashion. So I've done a lot of different miscellaneous things. So you're kind and of smart, a little smart. So a little, little bit, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. And, or or distracted, easily distracted. So. Uh, so anyway, I, um, I started my short-term mental journey mostly because I was interested in real estate investing. I love to travel and I love, uh, I've always had, uh, such great childhood memories related to traveling and staying in hotels and short, uh, you know, like, and so I just really wanted to get into that space. And then I realized my legal background, my numerical analysis background and engineering, and also my just really into design type of personality is really a good fit for short-term rentals. And so that's kind of how I got started. Um, when I quit my job as an attorney, I just kind of looked at the short-term rental space and realized it was getting more and more mainstream. When I was starting out a short-term rental, it was pretty easy to uh, distinguish myself with just really good design um, because not a lot of people were doing it at the time. Um, people were just having really ugly photos and you know, and really ugly design. And, you know, so I can just do much better than them and, mm -hmm. you know, expect to get significantly more revenue than they did. Um, but as, of course, like some of the larger podcasts and forums and et cetera started broadcasting short-term mental investing as this thing, uh, more and more people were getting into the space. And I just knew that, you know, I wanted to be ahead of the curve. So what does that look like for me? And I just kind of looked around and I realized hotel investing was probably the next step for me personally, just because it is still in the hospitality space. Um, and uh, the numbers made a lot of sense to me just because now instead of just having my sales comps based on what my neighbor's house sells for, um, now it's based on how well the hotel is performing. So in theory, if the hotel is going to get more booked because of the same concepts that we have all learned in short-term rental investing of, you know, digital marketing or copywriting or better photos and all those things, um, it will actually add value, not just from the cash flow perspective, but also value increased valuation from a commercial appraisal perspective. And so yeah. the more I looked into it and the more it just made sense. And of course, with the short-term rental regulations uh, coming into play in more and more cities, Hotels and short-term, uh, of course, are not considered short-term rentals. They are usually not going to be affected by short-term rental regulations. And in fact, they're usually benefited by regulations. So yeah. there's just a lot of things that just pointed to hotels as the next step for me. Love I love it. it. I love I, it. I've got, I think there's a few things in terms of the benefits that I want to talk about. Before I, we jump into that, you mentioned that with your background of law and engineering and fashion that it was kind of a easier for you to jump into this i can see it from the fashion perspective right the design and everything but what about those other two industries do you see as skill sets that carried over into this i think the number one thing that engineering or chemical engineering taught me which feels like a very very uh you know far away uh subject compared to real estate investing is uh, really understanding how to use numbers to inform your uh, investment decision because engineering principles are, you know, using a lot of Excel spreadsheets to calculate like 
you know, a lot of, basically when we're going to have a break-even point for building a, some sort of manufacturing plant or distilling plant, right? So like there's a lot of things that uh, are just more more dealing with numbers that uh, engineering has helped me a lot with. Right. Um, and then also just uh, being more rational and, and, and numbers driven in general for my decision making rather than letting this, you know, emotions take over in terms of negotiations. Um, my law degree is actually almost more helpful than my, you know, affinity for design just because uh, it's saved my butt so many times. And of course, I have a lot of different attorneys. Uh, you know, land use attorneys, franchise attorneys, um, all sorts of attorneys that I use. But sometimes I just have like 24 hours to make a decision for some stuff. And I just need to do my own research and shoot something off really fast. And um, having a law degree and being a lawyer for five years prior to doing this has really been helpful. That's awesome. That's awesome. Love it. Um, and so I uh, kind of am talking about how your prior experience helped you in the hotels, I want to kind of go off of your previous portfolio. You mentioned you got into short-term rentals first, and then you took a step into hotels. What was that transition transition like, right? Because we we know going from long-term to short-term, it's a it's an entirely different operational beast. And I can only imagine going from managing a short-term portfolio to a hotel is an even bigger jump. Do you feel like that it was an easy jump, a hard adjustment? What was hard? What made it easy? What's your opinion on that? I think it's actually pretty a lot harder than people give credit for because a lot of people when they start um, looking at his house, they're like, oh, it's just like a bigger short term rental. Like I can totally do this on my own. But it really isn't because uh, one, um, the analysis is going to be very different. A lot of people are still using the same short term rental analysis tools. And that's just not how you're supposed to analyze a hotel at all. Yeah. Um, so a lot of people don't understand how to appraise a hotel or analyze a hotel like a commercial appraiser. And that's really what I, you know, had to learn when I started out. And by the way, like I was making so many, um, I was making so many offers on hotels and for the first year of trying to get into hotel investing and I lost some money along the way of due diligence, uh, you know, just exiting out of yeah. deals. I felt like I wasn't going to uh, want after doing a lot of additional research on it. And it wasn't until maybe like the 10th offer or the 12th offer, I lost count, that I was able to close on my very first hotel. And so it was a very long journey. I think a lot of people don't give uh, enough credit for that. And also, I think a lot of people, because they're not doing the right analysis, it can easily overpay for something just because it, it makes sense to them as a short-term rental, but they're not accounting for the additional hidden expenses related to hotel operations. Uh, but then going back to like once you buy it, it's very different um, whether it's a 10 unit hotel that you're running like an Airbnb or short term rental uh, versus a full fledged 76 unit hotel, which that is, of course, going to be run more like a traditional hotel model. And yeah. so the benefit of um, having smaller hotels in our portfolio and also larger hotels in our portfolio, we kind of see like this sliding spectrum of this is more like a short-term rental. This is more like a hybrid. This is more like a traditional hotel. Our largest hotel is still a Wyndham-branded hotel that we're converting into independent hotel. So we have nice. now had additional operation 
expertise and experience of running it as a Wyndham and using the Wyndham operating system, which is a whole thing, (laughs) (laughs) and and converting it into independent branded hotel, which we're doing uh, July of this year. So there's just a lot of things that people probably don't think about when they're getting into the hotel space uh, that we have now had the benefit of understanding. So Dia, you, you mentioned analysis and, you know, uh, I had someone message me the other day and they were like, Hey, I've got this lead. It's been on the MLS for like three months and it's got 30 units. It's a hotel. Like, where do I even start with analysis? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> like, I, I, it, do, do I go and look at like one bedroom apartments on Airbnb or how would someone even start with analyzing a deal like that? It's it's hard to really give like a simplistic answer, but in terms yeah. of data sources, uh, you're going to have to use hotel data, which is CoStar. Um, so use when, when it's a hotel, you got to use hotel data. You can't use short-term rental data. You can always cross-reference with the seasonality and occupancy and ADR and kind of look at one bedrooms in the area, but it's not going to be the same. Um, a lot of people, that is actually how... I feel like they end up overanalyzing and over, I mean, mm. not overanalyzing, but over accounting Estimating. for the growth revenue for the property is that they're using SDR comps and it's just not the same. And oftentimes it may be a little bit lower and, and then they're not going to, and then also they're underestimating renovation and launch time that I hear a lot of stories about people expecting to launch in three to six months. And I'm like, you're doing gut renovation and you're expecting to launch in six months. Okay, go luck. <laughs> you know, like, uh, okay, yeah, sure. Um, that sounds hairy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I, so we've talked about, like, obviously there's a ton of things that people don't think about coming from the short-term rental space into hotels. Is like, is there anything that was good that came from coming from this industry that benefited mm-hmm. you moving into this space, like things that you took from the short-term rental space that maybe aren't presently in the hotel space? So I think the big thing, um, and hotels are wisening up on this point too, is that people are more and more willing to pay more for unique experiences. And yeah. you see of the, the franchise hotels tapping into that space with uh, you know, more unique hotel collections in, within the Marriott and the Hilton brands, for example. They have more of a local vibe to the design aesthetics of the hotel. There's more green hotels. There's more um, intention in behind the design of the hotel rooms. And so I think the hotel industry is starting to catch up. But in the meantime, a lot of mom and pop hotels they're still run with pen and paper and it's not very automated. And so one of the hotels that we bought, they were still checking people in with pen and paper. They were still logging that with pen and paper, uh, physical keys. And so a lot of that is highly inefficient, of course. You know, the person that was standing in front of the front desk was telling me that sometimes the guests will walk in the front door and check to check in before they even got the email from Expedia. So obviously there's some hiccups in that operation there. And so, of course, um, having the short-term rental experience was very helpful in understanding what guests may want and understanding how to research for that. And so I would say that that's the biggest commonality is to understand that people want more than just a place to rest their head. Yeah. So when you talk about automating this process, are you using similar software in 
your hotel businesses, you are in short-term rentals, like just for example, a property management system or something like a price labs for dynamic pricing? Um, so full disclosure, um, my role on my team is not operations. So my role on my team is to fundraise for the deals, analyze the deals, negotiate the deals, talk to lenders, appraisers, and to close everything. And then I also usually for our short-term rentals, I lead the renovation and design process. And then when it's something turnkey, I turn it over to my operations partner. So I only know the operations piece very um, surface level. But get with it, with that said, we have two totally separate systems right now for our short-term rental portfolio versus our hotel portfolio. And we use CloudBeds, which is a totally hotel-specific uh, software uh, as the backbone for our independent branded hotels. And then, of course, Wyndham has their own thing. So that's that's their own system that we have to use at our 76-unit hotel. But we're probably going to use CloudBeds uh, for now for all of our uh, hotel needs. And they have their own revenue management uh, price, price software similar to Price Labs. And then we also have an in-house revenue manager now, similar to large hotel brands. They have their own person that's a revenue manager overseeing some of the things that are like Price Labs and other software. We now have a higher person that is our in-house revenue manager. Cool. So what is raising money for a 76-unit hotel? What does that process look like? Um, so for that one in particular, we started a 506C fund specifically for hotels. So we okay. raised the money in advance of closing on that deal. I think normally, um, you know, you can have either a syndication, of course, or you can have a fund. And the great thing about funds is that you have already raised that money up front. And now you can use that money to act quickly in um, distress seller scenarios and stuff like that. All right, listen up. If you are not using Price Labs, you are literally throwing money in the trash. Dynamic pricing is a must in our industry. If you don't know what that is, dynamic pricing is just a fancy term for supply and demand pricing. When demand is high, Price Labs will get you high price bookings. And when demand is low, it will fill up your calendar while the competition overprices themselves and leaves everything vacant. I was dumb in the beginning of my short-term rental journey. I thought I could do it all without Price Labs. So one day I just said, you know what? Enough is enough. I'm going to try this thing out. And immediately my income went up 15 to 20% on my listings. I really was kicking myself. I should have been using this from the beginning. So don't make the same mistake as me. Get started with your free 30-day trial at fearlesskyle.com forward slash price labs. Or even better, how about getting 25% off your first six months as a thank you for being a part of the STR six-figure formula membership? That's right. Go to fearlesskyle.com forward slash 6FF to become a member and claim that discount today. Lame, how does that compare to how you've done it? Because you've raised a lot of money too. Is that similar? Yeah, well, it, again, it all depends on because I feel like similar to knowing your avatar and serving from a hotel perspective or a short-term rental perspective, it's the same with raising capital. I'm raising from a lot of uh, kind of like just barely accredited investors, and so we like to do a syndication model or just a simple GPLP structure within an individual deal. But when you're going big like this, a 506C makes sense, right? Which brings me to my question, um, especially as it pertains to raising capital and also market trends, right? We know that COVID really kind of put this interesting cog in the market trend of real estate in the sense people got incredible debt, right? And now we're starting to see, especially on the hotel side, and correct me if I'm wrong, but we're seeing a lot of people go into default. We hear about hotels in San Francisco, them just walking away from the debt and things of that nature. Where is the market cycle with hotels? Is now a good time to get in? 
Are you guys having a, a good, like, is it, is it easy to raise capital because of where it's at? I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. I think um, in general, if you talk to most commercial and residential investors who have been through several cycles of the market, you'll recognize that when capital is hard to obtain, that's when you have the best deals and vice versa, right? Like when money is easy, the deals, um, it's hard to find good deals. When the money's hard, it's really easy to find good deals. So I feel like right now we're still in this market cycle where it's there's a lot of great deals, uh, whether it's uh, residential assets or post house in specific, but it's harder to maybe raise money or it's harder to... Uh, get bank financing on it, especially if you're a first-time hotel investor. Now, we actually have too many deals that, you know, we just have to, like, we're like, okay, bandwidth-wise, we just don't have time right now. Yeah, um, so, just be, yeah, so, I mean, so I've been actually buying some short-term rentals while my my team, my operation team and stuff are, you know, rebranding this 76-unit hotel because, of course, that's a very large project right so i don't want to you know over uh over <laughs> flood you know our operation team with additional hotel projects of the same size for now so but there's actually a lot of really great deals right now um you know it's a great time to be buying hotels especially because of covid because when covid hit um ho- hotels were hit much much harder than short-term rentals nobody wanted to walk into a hotel lobby Right. Uh, versus a lot of people after the first months of March and April were hitting their peak peak earnings in May, June and July that year of 2020, especially in their in vacation towns versus, you know, cities. Right. So um, a lot of people actually did really well in 2020 and 2021. But hotels did very, very poorly because of COVID-19. And because of that, a lot of the prices for hotel went way down. Um, a lot of uh, commercial debt is resetting at a much higher interest rate right now, which means yeah. that a lot of hoteliers are very desperate to sell or they're getting hit with what's called property improvement plans or PIPs by Hilton, by Marriott, by Wyndham, which is basically like every five to 10 years, you guys have to upgrade your hotel to the brand standards. And here's a list of renovations that you guys have to do. But guess what? Maybe they their hedge funds or whatever and or private you know and they don't have the energy to deal with this so they just want to sell it, or two they are mom and pop hoteliers and they can't qualify for a refinancing based on a nine percent interest rate or eight percent interest rate. So now they mm-hmm. don't have a way to finance the renovation. So now they have to sell it, right? So there's a lot of reasons why people are selling stuff for very very cheap relative to where they could be uh, when the times are easier for hotel financing. So there's a lot of really great deals right now, but you have to understand how to finance them and, and analyze them. Yeah. Where are you yeah. finding most of your deals? Um, When I started, it was really through like building broker connections and finding off-market deals uh, through brokers and wholesalers. Um, but at this point, it's mostly from um, hoteliers themselves, like just knowing other people in the hotel industry and um, getting by, by word of mouth, like where, where people are selling and et cetera. But um, there are some deals on Craxi, on LoopNet, on, you know, these auction sites and stuff like that. But a lot of times because hotels are after businesses, they don't want their employees to know that they're selling their hotel. So they, that's a last resort. So a lot of times it, it has already been through the grapevine 
so to speak, off market as a potential deal before it ever lands on the MLS. Love it. Love it. So for, cause there's a lot of people that are in short-term rental space want to step into this. Um, obviously you kind of talked about, you know, the team that it takes, I guess, where, where would somebody start if they're wanting to buy their first hotel, if you will, um, where would they start in terms of finding and building a team? Cause it sounds like that took a lot of time, but then also like what to buy, right? Am I going for 20 doors or less? Would you recommend just building and starting focusing on a team and then buying something really big? Like what would be your suggestion for people that are wanting to step in the space? Um, so I, I am starting a hotel podcast on this very topic. And I'm also starting more on YouTube, of course. And we do have our own trainings and masterminds, which I'm not going to go into detail here, but if anyone wants to know more about hotel investing and they're trying to get started, maybe they're already starting to make offers and wanting to build a team, they can definitely reach out to me on social media or start following our content to kind of learn more about this entire process. I will, uh, I'm starting to interview a lot of hoteliers about not just you know, buying hotels or analyzing hotels or, you know, operating hotels, but, you know, all the, all the things that maybe people are not thinking about immediately. That's what I want to talk about. And then, uh, when I launched this podcast, love it, love it, love it. Yeah. And you've got a great following Dia, um, on Instagram. I'm guessing that's the best place for people to go. Just Dia, D I Y A E S Q. Is that the best place for people to find all of your content? Yes, absolutely. Awesome. Awesome. Um, we have a question from a, a member of our audience right now in the six figure formula. I want to ask this one Paras says, have you ever considered buying multifamily apartments or converting office buildings slash malls, uh, to make them a hotel or mixed spaces? That's interesting. Um, I think that, that there's definitely people who specialize in conversions and they have a lot of success. I've had a lot of friends that actually do the opposite of converting hotels into multifamily. Um, that's a very hot topic right now, but you know, with every conversion, there's just additional unknowns, right? Because now you have to get city approval for the rezoning. Now you have to bring the hotel into compliance rather than maybe the hotel is 19, uh, 1980s, but you know, it's grandfather in as a use for a hotel. So you may not have to have 2024 standards for some of the things, but if you're going to do a full conversion for a multifamily or office building into a brand new hotel, you're going to have to bring everything up to code. So, um, if of course, if you have uh, the risk tolerance for that, and if you have the patience and you know the the mentorship for that, then that's definitely something that you know that would be interesting. But for me, I actually haven't done a conversion before, so. I don't want to focus on that. Um, a lot of the, the hotels that we're actually buying now are going to be 2000s and newer because we just don't want to deal with a lot of the yeah. unknowns of the condition of the building. And so it just it's just, you know, at least 1990s, preferably 2000s and newer. So, well, yeah. And with, uh, you know, because you're obviously narrowing down your buy box as you guys continue to operate because you see what works, what doesn't. Do you see, because there's very few hotels that are kind of this mesh of like hotel traditional and short-term rentals. Like I think there was one in, um, in Austin. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's almost, it's almost, it's basically an apartment complex, but it's ran like a hotel, but mm -hmm. it's kind of a hybrid. Is that like, what's your thoughts on that, on that new asset class? Is that something that's coming? Is that something that is already here? Do you feel like that's something you guys are trying to create? 
that's I don't think that that's something we're targeting. I think that a lot of people who are doing rental arbitrage and are still doing rental arbitrage, they've been kind of doing that model, except it, they just don't own, own the building, right? But a lot of them have signed leases with half the building and they're yeah. running it like uh, separate short-term rentals. So that's definitely a viable business model. That's just not our business model. Uh, you know, we may look at buying multifamilies in the in down the road and converting, let's say, a quarter of them into short-term rentals, a quarter of them into midterm rentals, and the rest of them long-term rentals uh, to kind of diversify our personal portfolio. But that's, of course, going to be a totally different operational model than what we have right now. So we just haven't really looked at that yet. Uh, for us, in our personal buy box, we're looking at hotels that are franchise hotels that are relatively new that we can convert into independent branded hotels, uh, independent hotels. And it has to be 50 doors and up for us at this point, and preferably close to one of our other properties already. So we are getting narrower and narrower for what we're looking for at this point, just because we have had a few years of running these properties and understanding what we want to focus on going forward. Love it. Dia, yeah, I mean, so, so much good stuff here. And we've already told you guys where to go follow Dia, uh, D-I-Y-A-E-S-Q on Instagram, Dia E-S-Q. Um, I, I want to just ask one last question, and it is not knowing what we don't know about this industry. What did we not ask that you feel like is important for people to know about getting into this space? I think you guys did a really great job. I think um, in general, uh, hotel investing is a really rewarding experience um, because you're able to increase the valuation of the property by operating better. I guess the number one thing to start considering is that when you're buying short-term rentals and operating them, you're really uh, competing against other people who may be investing in real estate for the very first time, or maybe they're doing it as a side hustle, or maybe they're doing it as a hobby, right? Like they're they're just trying to offset the expenses for their secondary home, and they're not really taking it that seriously. Of right. course, short-term rental is becoming more and more of a professional industry with professional managers, professional designers, but the industry is still very, very new compared to hotels. Now, when you're going into hotel investing, it's a very mature industry. And a lot of people have actual degrees from hospitality schools when they own and operate hotels. And a lot of people who own hotels, they it's their whole family owns hotels, right? So you're kind of competing in a different class of investors now that this is their whole life and this is their whole business experience, their whole career track. It's a very, very different level, and it's going to be a huge level jump than probably what people are expecting. And so don't be easily discouraged. It is going to be harder. That doesn't mean that you can't do it. I am so glad you said that because I feel like so many people in the the coaching and information space, right? They All they're saying is, it's easy. Anyone can do it. All you got to do is try. Like what you just said, it, it like you got to treat this like a business. You can't, you can't just come in and think this is going to be just one of your many in your portfolio and just, you know, pass it off to your ops team. Like you got, you got to know what in the world you're doing, or at least be willing to put in the effort to know what you're doing to a level of even getting a degree. And that's, that's huge. So I feel like I could probably just by being around you long enough, feel like I got a degree in this. So, um, we just appreciate you dropping all the knowledge, uh, both Lame and I appreciate this and, uh, Anyone who is listening right now on replay or live, 
make sure you go follow Dia on Instagram. And I can't wait for that podcast to drop, Dia. Yeah, let us know. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. Hey, she did not disappoint, right, Lame? I mean, wow. I, like I said, <laughs> she's she's done numbers, a number of these deals. And for that reason, you can just tell she knows her stuff. And uh, I mean, you know, I, I would just say if any of you are interested in getting started in the hotel space, just like what she said at the end there, make sure you're ready to treat this like a business, not like a hobby. One of the best pieces of advice I ever got was you treat something like a business, you'll make money like a business. You treat something like a hobby and you'll probably lose money. So yep. treat this the same way, right? hundred percent. And she, uh, I felt like she did a great job of just like explaining. You could tell there's a whole deep knowledge. There was a whole iceberg under that tip right. of the iceberg, but she did a great job of communicating it. So that was fire gas. So yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, man. Well, and team fearless, I'm excited because we, even though we've got the five day caster challenge out there live for you guys for free, we got other stuff that we're working on. So make sure you are still subscribed. You got the notification bell on. You are checking out our Instagram page, making sure that you got notifications on for all of that as well, because we're going to be dropping some really cool things that you can use that Lame, again, has been yep. doing in the background for the last two to three years. So yep. very excited for that, brother. 100%. And I've been in my bag just figuring out ways how I can continue to give more value to this community. So please make sure that you you know stay tuned. We got some free material that's coming your way that I've been working on. So I'm excited. Awesome. Guys, that's going to do it for us here on the Fearless Investors podcast. We're helping you to conquer the world of short-term rentals. See you next time. Let's go. Hey, Fearless Investor community. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Fearless Investor. If you haven't already, please subscribe and leave a five-star review. And for more free content, check out my YouTube channel, also called the Fearless Investor, and our website, www.fearlesskyle.com. Com. Until next time, keep on conquering the world of short-term rentals.